preaching uh, over these last two weeks as part of our New Year message series, and I wanted to um, talk about that um, and understanding exactly what wisdom is. I want to tell you a little bit of a story, actually, first before we start. The, um, <clears throat> there was um, uh, a few Christmases ago now, I guess, and we were having our Christmas dinner together and... Uh, you know, we're trying to, our kids are sort of growing up now and it's, you know, we want them to start to contribute. And so uh, my son said, well, yes, yes, Dad, I can come along. I'd like to, I'd like to make a, um, a fruit salad. So I said, oh, okay, well, it's fine. You can, uh, you can bring the fruit salad along and that was okay. And so he, um, he made this fruit salad and he came and I, and I looked in it and I thought, what's this in it? This is tomato in it. <laughs> and I thought, it's a bit odd, tomato in a fruit salad. And, um, and I thought, well, that's a, that, that's a bit odd. And I said, son, are you sure that the tomato's a good idea in the fruit salad? And he says, oh, yeah, you know, I think it's a really good idea. Anyway, the next couple of days later, he was walking down the street. And you know how you go outside some bookshops or some shops, they have the sort of billboards and they have fancy little sayings on them or proverbs and things like that? Well, there was a, there was a, a writing on this, on this uh, sign. And my son's walking, it's a true story. My son's walking along, he said, um, and it said, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit and not a vegetable. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> and he, and he, so he rings me up and he says, Dad, you're not going to believe it. My, so there, that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. We can have knowledge, we can have information, it's a good thing. But wisdom is how you apply it. So it's a, a, little, a little example for you there. Well, as we've been learning, um, wisdom is very important. Um, you know, we've got to know the difference between right and wrong, between truth and lies. We need wisdom to make right choices, don't we? Right decisions in life so things go well for us. How to make sound judgments, to discern correctly, um, and to align our actions with what we know to be right. We need wisdom for this. Now, Pastor Stefan referred to the various areas in life where we need to apply wisdom. And one of those areas he mentioned was in the area of relationships, what we could call social wisdom, how we relate to other people and how we sort of need wisdom in our dealings with other people and with the situations that we face. And this week I want to focus on um, wisdom for, for relationships, for healthy relationships, but particularly wisdom for relating to people that don't believe, for non-believers, okay? People that when we're dealing with, with unbelievers, this is quite important. God's really been speaking to me on this, actually. Wisdom as it relates to our personal witness to others. Our opening scripture is from Colossians uh, chapter 4, verse 5. And we're going to actually be looking at this whole passage of scripture a little bit later in the message, but I wanted to start with this. It says, be wise in the way you act with people who are not believers. Be wise in the way you act with people that are not believers. I think that's a fair statement. So let's uh, look today at what that means. I had a bit of an actual revelation on this um, last year, uh, late last year actually. Um, I found that over the last few years, you know, there have been a lot of areas and things happening in society and in the world that um, don't particularly sit well with me. And so everybody's got a different viewpoint. So it's very easy to get into a contentious discussion, argument even, and conflict over the various issues that, we've, uh, you know, that we face and uh, I sometimes realised that, you know, um, my attitude wasn't perhaps through it all, wasn't as good as it, um, as it could be. I mean, 
there's so much difference, I guess, between the, the popular narrative and, the, and a biblical worldview. How do we stand for what we believe in, which is so important, um, and at the same time not antagonise or alienate you know, um, others, many of whom we're actually trying to save. And so um, this concerned me, it convicted me, and I was, um, I was thinking about how I can better relate to other people. It's not just on spiritual issues, I'm talking you know, a wide range of things, where, particularly, as I say, where the Christian worldview is um, very different from the sort of prevailing secular narrative and thinking. So while we need to contend for our faith, no question about that, um, how we do it, really, it's so, so important. Any of you heard of, um, well, I think most of you would have, who's heard of Ray Comfort and those Way of the Master? Yeah, so uh, I don't uh, watch a lot of Christian TV, the, TV these days, but we came home late the other night, and uh, I was just flicking channels, and his show was on, Shine TV, Way of the Master, and Ray was on there, and any of you know uh, Ray would know that his evangelism style is very in your face. Very in your face, and it doesn't always sit well with everyone. But I was, as I was preparing for this message, I turned this on, and here was Ray Comfort talking about the whole subject of their program this week was on um, how you relate to others in a way that doesn't offend them and, and, and bring conflict. I thought, well, this is not like Ray's in your face. And I was very encouraged when, I, uh, when, when Ray was saying, I thought, oh, thank you, Lord, you're, you're confirming and you're speaking to me. It's, uh, it's great when God does that, eh? Okay, so what he was, um, he was sort of talking about the same thing I'm going to cover today, which is, as I say, the importance of building and protecting relationships and the wisdom that we need in dealing with unsaved people, especially those we know, especially actually family members. That can be real hard. So we're going to see today, and I was actually quite astonished myself when I was preparing for this, that there are many, many scriptures about using wisdom um, using wisdom as we uh, relate to others. So let's move on and have a look at a few of them. Let's start again, firstly, from the book of Proverbs. Uh, that's what a lot of the wisdom chapters that pastor's been preaching in the last week are all from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 11.30. It says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Now, this scripture is stated a, a number of different ways in the various translations of the Bible. And one meaning... It's simply that it's wise, it's a good thing to win souls. He who wins souls is wise. If we win souls, we're being wise. We say yes and amen to this. I mean, obviously, it's no greater purpose for all believers than it is to you know, share, share Jesus and bring people to salvation. Now, of course, we can't actually save anybody. We know that that's the work of the Holy Spirit, strictly speaking. But what it's implying that we can play a big part in drawing people to Jesus. Amen? So, and looking at the, also at this interpretation of the verse, it sort of confirms that as Christians, it's wise that we make every effort to bring people to Christ. And we can agree with that as well, can't we? And it also implies that if we win souls, it'll sort of make us wise. Those who win souls are wise. So by winning souls, we sort of become wise. So these are all valid interpretations of the, uh, of the scripture. But I believe that the, this verse actually means a lot more than that. It's also being translated as, he who is wise wins souls. So he, is, he, who, he who wins souls is wise, but it's also translated, he who is wise wins souls. 
A number of Bible versions state it this way. In the NASB version, uh, Proverbs 11.30, it says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. So we see a, a subtle difference here. One, he who wins souls is wise. Two, he who is wise wins souls. So there's two ways, as I've said, of looking at this verse. Firstly, it's good and wise for us to try and get people saved. But the also the verse implies that by wise living, we can influence people in a righteous way that makes Christ appealing to them. And I personally believe that that is actually the better interpretation of the scripture. You see, the word win, no matter what version you look at, can be translated attract. And I think attract is, 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 is probably a better definition in some ways. So when you couple that definition with the first part of the verse, which says the fruit of righteous, the fruit of the righteous, that's us, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. We see that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. This gives us a better picture of the verse. In other words, we're living our righteous living, a godly life. We bear the fruit of the Spirit. We then become a life-giving force that attracts people. You with me? A righteous person giving life-giving influence in a godly way is similar to the way a, a good fruit attracts you to a tree. In the ICB version, it says this, as a good tree makes fruit, a good person gives life to others. I like that. And the Bible commentator, that you, know, you can get these commentaries on the Bible to help you interpret what scriptures mean. And uh, one of the more better known Bible commentators is a, a bloke called Matthew Henry. And he says about this verse, he says, He that is wise, by communicating his wisdom, draws people to God. They see some of the attributes of God in our lives. By their righteous living, wise people attract other people. And as a result, can turn many souls away from foolishness and towards righteousness. I thought that's pretty good. So the principle here is that if we want to impact people for Christ, we need to be wise in how we deal with them. Wise in what we say, how we behave, how we relate to them. So I think that the best interpretation of this verse implies that if we walk in true wisdom, we can win souls, not by specific effort necessarily, but as a consequence, a natural result of the influence of our godly character and lives and so on. As I said at the beginning, God uh, has challenged me about this, I guess, in some of my dealings with some of my unsaved friends and family in, in, in particular. And... Um, you know, there'd be many issues, as I said, that have annoyed me. And I found that my attitude, perhaps sometimes, hasn't always been what it should be. And uh, I haven't been as loving and gracious as I should. In fact, we were faced with a situation, Di and I, where we uh, knew to, that we were going to have a lot of family coming over the Christmas period. I had a, um, and we thought, well, this is going to be interesting because they're not believers. How are we going to make this a good time without sort of getting into, into troubled waters, so to speak. Uh, firstly, for my cousin that I had, my father was Dutch, and he, all my cousins, my dad's side of the family, live in Holland. And so as a cousin and his wife were visiting this part of the world, and they wanted to come and stay for us three, four days. We thought, yes, of course, come. But we don't really know them that well. I certainly knew they weren't believers. And then, and straight a week after that, my brother from the UK 
and his wife and daughter were arriving. And I haven't, don't see so much of them. Obviously, they live in the other part of the world. I'm also not believers. They were coming. And then a week or so after they were here, their three sons, which were, were, were all coming as well and staying with us. So we had a pretty full house. And I thought, wow, this is going to be over you know, four weeks or so. We're going to have people in the house. You're relating very close to them. Uh, how is all this going to, to work? And um, the thing was that, you know, not, not just because they weren't believers, but I still knew that, and we soon found out, that they, on most issues that we feel strongly, they were at the other end of the spectrum. For instance, you know, just basic things that we've been sort of facing in recent years, um, the whole COVID narrative and response, and man, they've brought into totally into all of that. Um, and that, that's fair enough. But people feel quite strongly about these things. We're probably the other, we are, we're not probably, we're at the other end of the spectrum. And uh, climate change and the, and the global warming, they are passionate about that and, um, and fearful even about it. Well, that's not where I live. And um, they're very liberal, I guess, in their political leanings as well, whereas I'm far more conservative and, and so on. And, uh, you know, they're probably very sympathetic maybe even to the Palestinian cause and things like that. So there's a number of issues there, real hot potatoes, that, uh, you know, I thought, man, you know, when you're living with people for a long time, these things can come up. And how are we going to, um, how are we going to you know, deal with this? How are we going to manage? So it was a potential minefield. And, um, but the family, what do you do? If we want them there, we want to, we love them, we want, we, want to, we want to bless them, we want them to have them in our house, we want to get along. Um, but boy, it can be difficult with families sometimes. Who knows what I mean with that? Amen? <laughs> yeah, so in fact, in fact, I think family and uh, close friends in a way are, are sometimes harder to reach than, than strangers. You know, like Pete's going out with the E-night and you go up to talk to a stranger and you don't really need relationship. If it doesn't go bad, well, you walk away, you never see each other again. There's no harm done. But families... We're stuck with, you know, if things go sour, (laughs) we've got to see them the next day, the next week, the next year maybe in some cases, but they're still family. And um, so we're stuck with them. In fact, it was quite funny uh, talking with one of our uh, in-laws. They were talking talking about, well, what are you doing on your side of the family for Christmas? And um, she was uh, relating. She said, oh, well, we get together, but it never seems to go too well. Um, She said, uh, we call it. Uh, a dinner and a show <laughs> because this, every time they get together the family it ends up in a big barney and a big dispute and tensions and people walking out and throwing their toys out of the cot and so on dinner and a show I thought God I said Dive, we don't want a dinner and a show <laughs> we want peace in our household um, but at the same time we want to stand for what we believe in so how do you navigate that we need wisdom and so as I say this is what God was uh, through this really this is what God was uh, Challenged me on and, and talking to me about. So we want to, you know, we wanted to look. I mean, we we love sharing the gospel. We love sharing our faith. We wanted to look for opportunities, you know, to do that. Um, but we decided we weren't going to engage or provoke in any contentious issues. We would try and keep the peace. And isn't that what Romans twelve says? Romans, sorry, twelve eighteen says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Now. It's a proviso in there, as far as it depends on you. Sometimes you can't be in control of situations, and if people provoke you too much or make statements that you just cannot live with, you may have to make a stand, for sure. But more often than not, that's not going to work out too well. But sometimes you have to. But as much as it depends on you, we don't want to be, we don't want to be the instigators of it. We want to be the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. 
okay? So we want to live at peace with everybody. So we decided, yep, we're just going to love on these guys. We're not going to get upset when they make statements we don't agree with. We'll just zip the lip and, um, and be gracious and uh, not get put out if they complain or even criticise even about, you know, because when you're in a home together and things like that, you're rubbing shoulders. You can, it's not hard to rub people up the wrong way. We thought, no, we, we're not going to, um, we're not going to uh, get worry about that. We're trying to try and keep the peace. So we... Um, but we knew we needed grace of God. We knew we needed wisdom to do it. And that's what I love about the, the Bible. It's so practical. And the, and the book of James in particular is very practical. And in James 1.5 it says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. It's pretty simple. You don't need to be a theologian to ask, understand that one, do you? We need wisdom. We just asked. So Diana, we, did, we prayed. We said, God, give us wisdom. We really want to make the most of this opportunity we have with the family to shine and demonstrate the love of God, to be able to navigate between standing for what we believe and what is right, but at the same time not having tension, causing friction, causing problems. And, uh, and so that was what we decided. And it actually, we were reminded of the, of the teaching of Jesus on the, on the Sermon of the Mount. You remember there, he, he spoke wonderful truths on the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, he talked about the, a lamp placed on, placed on a stand that brings light to all the house. Matthew 5.15 actually it is. It says, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, I used to always interpret um, this scripture as sort of meaning, well, we've got to be prepared to be known as a Christian, to stand up for our faith, you know, be light. And, um, uh, and that's not wrong. But the next verse actually gives us uh, more clarity as to what Jesus was actually meaning. So, Verse 15 again, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In the same way, as the light gives light to the house, as the lamp gives light to the house, in the same way, he said, let your light Shine before men that they may see your good deeds. What's our, what's our light? It's our good deeds. And give glory to your Father which is in heaven. So as I say, the family are going to be spending significant time with us. And so we decided, nope, we're going to let our light shine to them. And uh, hopefully they'll see our good deeds, our good attitudes, our good behaviour. And uh, this will have a positive effect on them. It's a bit like the principle we read about, uh, you know, the story in, in 1 Peter about uh, what the instructions are to, the, to, a, to a woman who has an unbelieving husband. We read about this in uh, 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, he says here, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, that they may be won over without words by, by, by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. Same principle. So we wanted to demonstrate, as I say, the love of God by keeping a, a good attitude, a right heart, being hospitable, serving them, not lecturing them, just loving on them. In the book of James, we see the same principle emphasised as well. Um, James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Who is wise among you? Sorry, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, 
Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So James, as I said before, and nothing else about James, his religion is very practical. And he beautifully describes here wisdom. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life and deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. It's an amazing scripture. Our conduct, church, is so important. It has a huge effect on others. Negative, positive. Are we attracting, winning? Are we attracting them or are we putting them off? Good question to ask. Now, in some ways, we could say, well, that's just normal Christian living. They're pretty obvious that, you know, we should, we should conduct ourselves. But I, I tell you what, it doesn't always come natural. As I say, God always speaks to me before I bring a message to church, I tell you. And it doesn't always come naturally. Um, doesn't always come naturally. I believe we need to be purposeful, deliberate about this really, and how we act to others. And not just when it's all going well or they agree with us. That's easy. It's nice to be nice, easy to be nice to nice people, isn't it? But it's when it's, it can be a challenge, okay? Um, and as I said, God was stirring me, and uh, I think it was all part of our preparation really for having these visitors that I was talking about before. Now, I don't think that I'm a, a rude person. I try and be nice to, you know, to everybody, really. Um, but I find that, uh, I don't know about you, that sometimes you're, you're quite interested and you're subconsciously always wanting to just get your point of view and have your say. Uh, that's natural in some ways. Uh, and so we're wanting to put our point of view forward rather than sort of building on genuine, build, trying to build genuine relationships with people. James says, who is wise among you? Let them show it by their good life. By, goods, by good deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. In other words, show it by their good life, doing what is right, and then done in humility that comes from wisdom. It's doing it with the right attitude, with the right heart, making sure we're not harboring that envy, that selfish ambition that he refers to. And sometimes that can be the case in families specifically. You know, you get their sibling rivalry, um, they can exist and, uh, you know, there's a there's sort of one-upmanship and uh, it can be hard def- dealing with family. So we need to really watch our attitudes and our conduct because we are a light. I mean, you can be competitive. There's a difference here. I know my brother, when he was here, he said um, he's been playing tennis and I play a bit of tennis. So, of course, you know, the, the chess come up and who's the best tennis player here, you know? And so he said, well, we better have a game. So um, I wasn't going to be humble about playing tennis, I tell you. <laughs> we went out there and it was brother against brother like the old days when we were knocking a ball up and down our driveway and uh, wrestling each other in the backyard and as boys. And so we got out there and had a, had a really competitive game of tennis. So I'm not talking about that. You're always going to have that kind of rivalry. But um, once again, it's the, it's the selfish ambition. It's the envy and things like that that we want to... Eliminate and uh, walk in humility. 
Okay, James goes on to describe further what godly wisdom looks like. He says here in the, the, the latter part of the verse, he says, Wisdom that is above is first of all pure. Then it's peaceable, gentle, considerate, full of mercy and good fruits, without variance, without hypocrisy, and full of peace. And here we're sort of brought back to the, that opening verse that we looked at, the fruit of the righteous, our good life, our daily walk in humility that comes from wisdom. This is full of good fruit, and it becomes that tree of life that the, 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 the psalm was talking about in Proverbs, Proverbs. The tree of life imparts nourishment. It imparts health, doesn't it? And joy to all who come in contact with it. And so people are attracted by the good fruit that we bear. And this is the wisdom, I believe, that wins souls. Let's look now at uh, what the Apostle Paul had to say about this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 22. The Apostle Paul speaking, he says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to as win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. What an amazing scripture. He says, though I am free, in other words, he could do what he likes, just as we are, we've got a free will, we're free in Christ. We're free to do what we like, really. But he says, no, I'm not going to abuse that freedom. I'm going to become like a slave. I'm looking what I must do to help win people over. So Paul's goal was to try and relate to the Jew, to the non-believer, the legalists, all the, the weak. He was saying, look, whatever they are, I'll go to where they are. I'm not asking them to conform to my situation. I'll go where they are and I'll try and be like them so I can relate to them and win them for Christ. That was his attitude, to try and find common ground. He adapted for the situations he was in. He wasn't dogmatic and stubborn. He was flexible in his position. He tried to find common ground to best relate to people. While he obeyed the law, he makes this very clear as well, while he obeyed the law, and we must also live as Christians, we can't not do that, he didn't compromise for sure, but he didn't make a big issue of them. He looked what they had in common to introduce Christ to them. So I believe that both Paul and James And those scriptures there are great examples for us as believers to follow. Getting back to the family, um, I'll let you know how it all went. (laughs) Did it work? Obviously it worked. I wouldn't be having the message otherwise. Otherwise it wouldn't be a very good testimony, would it? But no, it went went really well. We we had a wonderful time. And um, uh, as I said, we could have got defensive and aggressive and on all sorts of issues. but, you know, many opportunities came up and uh, we were able to, you know, have great conversations in the end with our family. Um, you know, sometimes about, you can, you heard the saying, you can win the argument, but you can lose the people. We certainly didn't want to do that. So we, we as I say, we, we try to apply the sort of principles that I've been talking to you about. And um, we served them. As I say, we affirmed them. We went out of our way. And it was amazing, actually, what happened. 
really incredible. The, uh, we had a wonderful time. They, they were very, very grateful. You could tell that they really enjoyed it. The atmosphere in the house was just one of, of peace. You know, you can go to some places and you just feel tension or you can feel the atmosphere. Well, it was, was really, you know, a wonderful atmosphere. Okay, we prayed and we'd done that, and, but it was, it was just absolutely fantastic. It's not always the case. I've had family gatherings in our house where there has been tension. So, you know, it just doesn't happen automatically, I guess the point I'm making. There was some effort required. And uh, they started, um, we had lots of laughs and fun, and they started opening up and asking questions and, in fact, my sister-in-law uh, was um, particularly open and we, were, we went for a few walks and it was actually, they hadn't been with us long and we were going for a walk and she was um, making comments. She said, oh, look, it's just been so nice just being with you guys. We're just so appreciative of everything. And, you know, she's just being polite. And um, she said, oh, I said, oh, yeah. She said, well, normally every Chris, Chris Christmas back in the UK where they live, they would go and be with her family. And she said, oh, no, you go to our families every year. There's dramas and, you know, it's the show and the dinner thing. And, uh, they, uh, and she said, oh, yeah, and all my brothers, they're so intolerant. They're all these right-wing extremists. I go, oh, is that right? Little does she know. <laughs> so, oh, yes, okay. So, um, you know, uh, I probably get on very well with them, actually. But, <laughs> but um, little does she know, yeah. Anyway, so it was that sort of thing. And um, then they, they knew us. They'd actually lived here in New Zealand 35 years ago before they went to live permanently in the UK. And so they knew us back then. But we weren't Christians then. And so they're looking at our lives and they're saying, look, you guys just seem, you know, everything seems so good. Uh, you know, what is it? And of course, you know, you're able to give them that testimony and say, well, you know, we're Christians now. And so it opens a door for you to be able to share a little bit about of your, your faith and, and give testimonies about how our, our lives um, are changed. They, um, and what I observed is, and I don't know whether it was just them, but I, I tend to think it's with a lot of people that haven't got Jesus, they worry a lot. They worry about so many things. Now, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be flippant about things, um, but I, I just I don't, I don't worry about a lot of things, to be honest. And they, they're worried about their health. They're worried about how their kids are getting on. They're worrying about all these world issues that have been going on. They're worried about money. And they, they couldn't seem to understand why we were sort of not concerned. And, uh, and so, um, of course, our, our testimony is totally that, well, we trust in the Lord. He's our peace. And uh, so we were able to weave this into our conversations and actually more questions um, would come, you know, well, what about this or what about that? And what about this? Or what do you think about that? So rather than engaging in the issue, I, I, we would, I would, and this is a good line, you want to, this is a take home for some of you. I, I, I believe it's a really good intro. So say, well, look, actually, before I was a Christian, I used to think like that or I used to worry about that. I used to be concerned about it before I was a Christian. That means you're empathizing with them and what they say. So you're not rubbishing them. But, you then also lead you on to say, but now, because of Jesus, blah, 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 you know, I've, I've got peace, or I've got wisdom, or I've got, I don't fear. And uh, an amazing way to, to, to introduce a testimony uh, into a situation. Yes, I, before I used to be like that. I understand what you do. We want to empathize. I understand what you're saying. But now, through Christ, what a great testimony, what Jesus has done. Eh? Aren't we glad we've got Jesus, church? God, we'd be lost without him. Actually, at the end, when we first got there, we sort of sat down. In fact, the first day they got there, we had a big family, pre-Christmas family dinner. And uh, I said, well, you know, everybody, we, in this house we say grace. And, oh, because well, they started eating, you know. I said, no, 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 oh, 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 we, we say grace. So anyway, so I, uh, I, said, I said grace. And, um, 
And, uh, oh, yes, okay, there's no, no amens or anything like that. Well, by the time they left, after about four weeks, we were, I think, well, I remember one, one instance in particular, we were, we were just having a casual dinner. It was just leftovers and bits and pieces. Everybody's helping themselves. And I was at the, in the kitchen doing my thing. And I'm looking around, and they're all just sitting there. And I said, well, come on, start. They said, oh, no, we're waiting for you to say grace. I thought, hey! <laughs> so I thought, well, there's a change, you know? And, um, and uh, in fact, we were, we were at, uh, as I said, another uh, uh, in-laws uh, place for dinner just the other week. And they're not believers, and uh, we're, we're sitting there, and they're serving the food, and so it's their house, their rules. And we're sitting there, and we thought, right, let's start this. Oh, no, no, he said, well, could you, Peter, could you please say grace? I thought, great. Oh, that's just awesome. Well, little things, I know, but, you know, it uh, makes a difference. Very, very encouraging. So, yeah, we had a wonderful time with the family. But, of course, the biggest one was, of course, when particularly they asked, I think uh, my sister-in-law was talking to Di, and she said, well, you know, why did you become a Christian? Why do you believe what you believe? Well, that's the ultimate, isn't it? Then, of course, we can share the gospel. We can share our testimony of how we come to faith. And that's ultimately, of course, what we're trying to do. But, you know, you've got to earn respect. You've got to earn trust. If you just try and plant that on people, particularly in close relationships. When we go out in the street, absolutely, you've got to hit them. You've got one chance. But, you know, in this sort of thing, you've got to build the relationships. Prepare the soil of the heart, as we say. And so when the time is right, you can share. And it was, um, as I say, it was absolutely amazing. Okay. Um, let's look at one more scripture. Um, it's the one we looked at at the beginning. It teaches us um, also regarding using our wisdom and relating to unsaved people. This sort of sums the, sums the whole thing up in a way. It's from Colossians 4, um, verses 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act with people who are not believers, making the most of every opportunity. When you talk, you should always be kind and pleasant, so you'll be able to answer everyone in the way you should. There's four points here. Be wise in the way you act with others. Two, make the most of every opportunity. Three, when you talk, be kind and pleasant. Four, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Four points. There's four principles here. So let's quickly look at these four principles. Number one, we've already sort of talked about, be wise in the way we act. Wise how? Once again, it's through our conduct, our attitudes, our words, are we reflecting Jesus? Are our lives a tree of life to others? Do we have the fruits of the Spirit? Joy, peace, love, kindness, patience, self-control. Are we demonstrating these things in our lives? This is a wise way to act towards others. In Titus chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, this is Paul um, sending a letter to, um, to Titus. He says, In everything... Set them as an example in everything, set them as an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about you. So he says, Do what is good. Act with integrity. People are reading us. I don't know, about, before I became a Christian, one of the biggest objections I had to Christianity was the hypocrisy of Christians. <laughs> so we want to act with integrity. Soundness of speech. I would translate that really as saying, speak the truth in love. That's sound speech. So be wise in the way we act. Wisdom, of course, and you'll recall Pastor Stefan talked about this a couple of weeks ago um, when he opened up this series on wisdom. He, uh, he talked about the wisdom being very closely related to discernment. Discernment, And remember that Solomon, King Solomon, didn't only ask for wisdom, he asked for a discerning heart. We read that in 
1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. So different approaches, you see. We need to be discerning. Different approaches are needed for different people. That's what Paul was saying about, I become all things to all people that I may win some. We've got to read the situation. We need to be discerning. How well do we know them? What do we know about them? Relate to where they're at. Remember, they don't think like we do. We need a discerning heart. So, point one, be wise in the way we interact with those who are not believers, making the most of every opportunity. Point two, every day we have an opportunity to let our light shine, to be an influence. And we obviously had a great opportunity with the people staying in our home. They're right there. They're under your roof. You've got what better opportunity have you got? We wanted to make the most of it. Also, actually, we had a really busy time uh, in December. It was um, all on, I tell you. And during that time, there was also, on Di's side of the family, there was a, uh, a funeral. One of her cousins passed away, sadly. And uh, so Di thought, well, I'd better go to the funeral. Really doesn't know that side of the, that, those cousins and that particular family terribly well, but felt that she needed to, to go. So she goes along to the funeral and um, ended up talking with another one of the cousins, a brother, actually, of the girl that died. And, uh, and uh, this guy... He, um, he lived a pretty rough life, a very tough life, in fact, and he had addiction issues, um, well, in fact, all sorts of issues. It was, he was a bit of a basket case, to be honest. But anyway, Guy spent a bit of time with him and just started talking with him, relating to him, showing care, listening to what he had to say, not judging him. And then in the, in the, he opened up a bit more, and then he said, well, actually, I'm dying as well. He'd been diagnosed with cancer. The doctors say I've only got weeks to live. So Di says, oh my goodness. She said, well, look, I'd like to come and visit you and talk to you further. The funeral wasn't the right environment to have a, a more serious or long in-depth conversation. So she, she, and he said yes. So um, that's what she did. She uh, visited him. She knew this was an opportunity that she had to take. I mean, it's a pretty obvious one, this one. Most of our opportunities are a little bit more subtle, but this really, you can't get a more obvious opportunity here. And so, um, but the point was, she did that. And so she goes along and visits this guy and had a wonderful time with him. He was very open. He was very contrite. He said, well, God can't, I can't, well, nothing I can do. I mean, I've lived such a terrible life. God could never forgive me. You know, I, I just, just no way. I, uh, and all the things that I've done, the way I am now and my current addictions, I, I don't even know whether I could follow him properly. But God... God gave Di the wisdom because she had prayed and asked for it. And uh, she was able to journey with him over some time uh, and eventually lead him to the Lord. Amen? How good is that? And so, um, and it was genuine. I mean, in fact, he rang, oh my goodness, he rang because Di got him, uh, and he said, look, you know, um, we'll try and get your Bible. And, and he rang asking questions and, and you know. You could tell it was genuine. It wasn't just, oh, well, heck, I'm dying. What have I got to lose? It was really, really genuine. God had touched him, and um, wow, it's just awesome. So she made the most of that um, opportunity. That was, um, that was for sure. And as I was just saying to your church, you know, when God opens a door for us, let's walk through it. You know, it might only be the one opportunity we've got. You make sure the devil takes his opportunities. Let's, when we get our opportunity, let's make the most of it. And, uh, and do what we can. Make the most of opportunities to develop relationships. It can take effort, yes, sure it can. But here's the thing. The better the relationship, the better opportunity you have for sharing Christ. It's not hard. So, make the most of every opportunity. Then it goes on to say, 
in all your talk, be kind and pleasant. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We don't want to stir up anger. <laughs> Not going to be helpful. We should be polite, respectful, gracious. You can say, well, of course we should be. But are we always? As I say, I've been, I've been convicted on this. It says in Colossians uh, 4.6 in the New Living Translation, it says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Speak nicely to others. There's a couple of old sayings that you've no doubt all heard. You know, It's not what you say, it's how you say it. And you know, being right doesn't give you the right. Well, these are good things to remember. You know, even if we're right, we walk in humility. Pride, pride puts people off. Humility draws people. In Proverbs 16, 21, it says, A wise, mature person is known for his understanding. The more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. Right through the book of Proverbs, in fact, as Pastor said last week, I think, I said, if you haven't... Um, if you haven't uh, read Proverbs for a while, get into your reading plan. Once again, it's just an amazing God incidence for me is that I didn't know what pastor was going to be preaching about this year at all. And I just finished Psalms uh, and I was just about to start Proverbs. And so, bang, beautiful timing. Thank you, Lord. But yeah, you know, read, read, read Proverbs. It's fantastic uh, truth and wisdom in there. Be friendly. Show interest in people's lives. Ask questions. Find out what's important to them. Listen before speaking. These are all general principles for getting on with people in life generally, actually. You know, good listening conveys you care. And what it also does, it gives you true understanding of where they're at. Look what Proverbs 15, 28 says. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers. In other words, we don't just blurt out whatever we feel like. We think about what we're going to say. We choose our words carefully. Always be kind and pleasant. Don't judge. Remember, sin is sin. Deceive people talk nonsense. <laughs> Not being unkind, it's just they don't see things like we do. So be gracious. And here's a saying for you again. Communicate acceptance even when you cannot communicate approval. Okay? So we're not condemning the people. Communicate acceptance even when we can't. We don't want to be so loving that we're agreeing with everything that they say and condoning their lifestyles and things like that. That's not what I'm saying, please. Proverbs 15.4 a, a tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. A tongue that brings healing. What we say, are we being kind? Are we encouraging? We need to be positive. We want to exude hope. We want to encourage people. Proverbs 12.25 says that a word of encouragement does wonders. We want to build people up, not pull them down. So back to our scripture. Be wise in the way you act with people who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. And when you talk, you should always be kind and pleasant so that you will be able to answer everyone in the way that you should. So the fourth point, be able to answer everyone in the way we should. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness 
and respect. See, while how we interact with um, others is important, we must always be looking for opportunities to share our faith, to give an answer for the hope that we have, to be known as Christians. Now, we're not trying to blend in. We're not going to be so nice that we want to blend in. We want to stand out. But it's through our good works and our righteous behavior that we stand out to others to reflect Jesus. We have to contend for our faith, as Jude says. But of course, how we do it is so important. What does Peter say here? The gentleness and respect. We're not out to condemn or to prove a point. We're wanting to share the love of God. So when the time is right, we've got to speak up. We just can't be nice to people. We've got to, at the time is right, we have to speak up. We have to give the reason for the hope we have, the gospel. Remember, that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. He said, whatever a person is like, I try and find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. So when we've earned that trust and the respect of someone, there comes a time when we can. The Holy Spirit will open that door and we'll just know this is the time that we can share because the soil of their hearts has been softened and cultivated and they're ready to receive the gospel and the love. You see, we can't just be nice to people. I mean, what does Mark, uh, what does it Mark 8.36 say? What profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? So at some stage we, we have to share our faith. Um, and we can promote many aspects. There are many testimonies of our Christian faith which are all good seeds and they're all good to help cultivate things. But ultimately, um, salvation, of course, is the most important thing. So just in finishing, let us be wise, church, as we relate to others, especially those we're trying to reach for Christ. Let our lives shine to others so that many will be led to righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. One last scripture here, and I don't even—I just like the scripture, so I thought I'd put it in. I'm not going to preach on it, um, but it's, uh, it's from Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. It says, Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like stars forever. I like that. I like that. So it's wise to win souls, church, and being wise helps us do it better. So let's do all we can. Let our light shine. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.